Everybody take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be in verses 21 through 29. If you're using your pew Bible, it's on page 686. In our home this morning, we were talking about summer coming. As I look around, um, I notice a lot of teachers here. Fair number of educators in the building today. Uh, thank you for your good and faithful service this year. Um, appreciate what you do um, to help others in our community grow, both in their, their knowledge to become smarter people, but also your faithful Christian presence to, Lord willing, help them become better citizens and better people. So I hope you have a good break this summer and um, know that we appreciate all that you do for our community. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had been its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thank you, God. The Renaissance apartment complex in Turkey was a sign of progress. It was a sign of opportunity. It was one of those buildings, those apartment complexes, that if you were fortunate enough to live there, you would have been among those who counted themselves privileged. What once was farmland was now being raised into this beautiful, large apartment complex. And the people who owned that land were now being given the opportunity to have income that wasn't tied to the fate of the crops. And it was a sign overall of Turkey's progress, becoming a more industrialized nation, a place where there's opportunity and hope. And if you and I could have seen it in 2013... Again, we probably would have put our application in. It was a place where up-and-coming professionals wanted to live. And for 10 years, everything went fine. For 10 years. And on February 6th of this year, if you might remember, earthquakes broke out in that region. And this apartment complex that once was a sign of progress and beauty, something that you would have wanted to be a part of, was a sign of destruction and death. It came crashing to the ground. And as it turns out, earthquakes don't care how beautiful the building is on the outside. Earthquakes don't care about amenities. Earthquakes don't care about 
who built the building and how good their reputation may have been. Earthquakes have a way of exposing weaknesses on the inside that you and I could never see on the outside. And if you read the New York Times article, which I would encourage you to do perhaps, it's, it's interesting as they do this deep dive into the building and the process that got them there and how it is that something like this could happen. But basically, on the bottom, there was something that builders referred to as a soft story. Wasn't enough foundation there. Wasn't enough to hold it up in a region that they knew was prone to earthquakes and other buildings in the area withstood the test. Jesus gets to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's given us this, this stern warning, I think, to remind ourselves that, that you and I live in a world that's prone to disasters. We live in a world that's prone to earthquakes, and tornadoes, and hurricanes, and bad diagnoses. All of these things that we know, one day something's going to get us. Even as we gather in this sanctuary this morning, that's that, that kind of uncomfortable truth. That no matter how bad or how hard you try, no matter how good you might look on the outside, one day Christ doesn't come first, you and I will pass from this life. And Jesus gets to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he pleads with those who listen, and I think he pleads with us today. To consider what it is that we're building our lives on. To consider whether you and I, in our relationship with the Lord, are just kind of playing games and doing things on the outside to look good and to receive the approval of other people, or if we're sincere in our faith and we are seeking by God's grace and his help to build our lives on the unshakable foundation of Jesus. The part that I read first is perhaps one of the most uh, challenging passages in the Sermon on the Mount, the one that could cause you the most consternation, the one that could keep you staring at the ceiling the longest tonight, and you lay there ready to go to bed. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And as a pastor of a church, that every time we do a baptism, what are we, is the confession of faith that we make? Jesus is Lord. And we witness it, the congregation says that, the baptismal candidate says that. And Jesus says, not everyone who says the words enter the kingdom of heaven. And then there's this, this refrain of this, this statement when Jesus says, some will say to me, but, but Lord, Lord, did we not do all these wonderful things? Did we not do all these wonderful things in your name? Did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do mighty works? As I was reading the passage and thinking about the sermon this past week, I was I was thinking about someone in a courtroom who has just received a guilty verdict. And they're trying to like point to all the wonderful things that, 
that seemed to bear witness to a different outcome. Didn't, didn't we do all these wonderful things? And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. And I, as I wrestle with that passage this week, I, I, think it, I think it's true that Jesus doesn't mean for us to walk around with a lack of certainty about our salvation. I think the gospel ought to bring unshakable hope to those who have placed our faith in Christ. But I think Jesus' words of warning ought to make us take a look in the mirror and say, am I really someone who has placed his faith in Christ? Am I someone who's confessed Jesus as my Savior? Is there in me this sincere desire to live and use my life to further God's kingdom and to walk in relationship with him or am I someone who's just here for show? Am I distracted by all these things that could point to other people's approval of me or make them think that I'm sincere in my faith when I know that I'm really not? He says, I never, I never knew you. That all throughout Scripture, there is this picture that those who belong to God's people through faith have this desire not to perfectly, none of us will perfectly live the life that God calls us to, but there is this bent in our hearts to yield ourselves to God's plans and God's purposes in the world, not just in these great acts of religious experience that others might look at and say, well, certainly that person, but in the in the nitty-gritty day-to-day parts of life that Jesus has been touching on in the Sermon on the Mount. But there is in us a desire to walk in a way that's consistent with who Christ calls us to be. And when he gets to the end, Jesus is saying, you can't listen to what I've just said to you and not have this desire to obey me. If you do so, you're like the person who built their house on the sand. Eventually, eventually it's going to be exposed for what it really is. Eventually it's going to be exposed that there is no true foundation here. But the wise person hears what I say and seeks to be an obedient disciple of Jesus so that he or she might build their house on the rock. As I read through the Sermon on the Mount and I think about the world that you and I live in, I'm convicted of how different we ought to be as followers of Jesus. But I'm also convicted that you and I live in a world where patterns of our hearts and the desires that are placed there by by the world, they're deep in there, friends. And they come to us sometimes almost naturally to live in these ways. And there's a part of us that that oftentimes we kind of want to excuse away any kind of call of holiness that Jesus might place upon our lives. And we get nervous about people who are a little too zealous. 
people who are taking this Jesus thing a little bit too seriously. Calm down. Don't go overboard. Don't get too stressed out and trying to actually live into the way that Jesus is calling you to live. As I look at this passage and as I look at the faces in this room today, The Lord's given me a greater burden for myself and a greater burden for you. To to appeal to you that life is found in Jesus. And whatever else it is that the world may offer you to satisfy the desires of your heart, it will not deliver. It will not deliver. As Jesus is kind of working through the Sermon on the Mount and the things that he's warning against, like um, allowing lust to grow in our hearts or, or, or being the kind of people who seek revenge on our enemies rather than loving them, being the people who cultivate anger, those who don't intend to live into the things that we say we actually believe, those who are prone to religious Outward activities like giving or praying or fasting to be seen by other people. Or those who are prone to judge others with a stricter measure than we want to be judged by ourselves. And Jesus comes to us in the most serious terms possible and pleads with us to not accept that approach to life. Ultimately, because he loves us and he knows what will satisfy the desires of our heart. It's not about just making some confession of faith and then walking out and living however you decide you want to live. It's not about glorying in the gospel of Jesus and then acting as if Christ doesn't care how you live. But it's to understand the depths of our sin, to understand the depths of our need for Jesus, to be in awe of the one who came and took on flesh and became like us in every respect yet without sin, so that we might be reconciled to the Father and have abundant life now and eternal, eternal life forever. And then to allow that confession of faith to to press in on us until you and I become the kind of people who, who believe that, that there are things in life that matter, that there are stakes to how it is that we live our lives and whether or not we decide to lean into obedience to Jesus. And, and ultimately, I just want to remind you that the storm will come. It's not if. It's not if the storm will come. It's just a matter of when. It's a matter of when. And the wise person hears the call of Jesus upon their lives, takes seriously what it is that Jesus has been teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and though imperfectly yet wholeheartedly seeks to live in a way that's consistent with all that Christ calls us to be. It's just true that whether you're a junior high kid or you're in high school, or whether you're 
an old middle-aged man like me or further along on the spectrum, that you and I are going to hear messages that would seek to woo our hearts toward disobedience. I'm just pleading with you to not do it. To not do it, to not believe the lies that there's something apart from God's will for your life that will satisfy you or that will ultimately give you an indestructible life because it won't. But Jesus will. But Jesus will. And so I pray that wherever you are in your relationship with the Lord, that that God's calling you to greater levels of faithfulness. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, then, then maybe, that's, that's, maybe that's where God's calling you to start even today. To understand the gospel, to repent of your sins, to return to him and confess him as Lord, not just going through the motions, but a sincere confession of faith and a desire to live for him. And maybe, maybe you're here and you've been playing games. Going through the motions of faith, paying lip service to Jesus. And maybe today the Lord's graciously calling you to repent of that and to embrace a more faithful call of discipleship upon your life. And I just invite you to, to respond faithfully however it is that Jesus is leading you to respond. Know that it matters, matters ultimately how you respond to his invitation for salvation and new life. I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being gracious enough to, to teach us to preserve this record of salvation, this record of your teaching for us. And we pray that you would graciously do this work that you would call us to yourself and that you would you would help us to not be content to pay lip service to you but that we would confess you to be Lord and that we would yield our lives to your plans and your purposes that you would protect us from evil that you would help us to become the kind of people that build our houses upon the rock that won't be shaken which is you. Lord, I pray for all within the hearing of my voice, Lord, that you would that you would draw them to yourself, that you would give them the grace that they need to believe you and to follow you and to live their lives for you, that they may experience the abundant life that you would have for them to know. And I offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.